Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that rave Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio, episode 428, coming to you on Friday, December 17th. We're going to talk about early signing day and how Lincoln Riley is putting his program together, including the start of the 2022 recruiting class, his coaching staff, the roster, the departures, People who are coming in, all of that here on this episode. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, wherever you can find the podcast. We are there, Spotify as well. Uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. And our email address is Reign of Troy at fansided.com and our phone number 213. 213- 373-1-USC, second what's for a show. show. I'm your host, Michael Castillo, joined along with my co-host here in the Arena Troy studio in Los Angeles, Lisa Daratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, we are back. Finally able to record an episode. Uh, as we know, we've talked about it before. I went on a long work trip. Uh, SC had that Cal game, which was super fun um, because we put together a Twitter Spaces um, and did sort of a live podcast for that rather than a podcast on here. But we're back. We're back here uh, on our normal uh, podcasting platform to talk about how Lincoln Riley is putting together everything. Because in the last couple of weeks since our podcast, most recent podcast, a lot of stuff has gone down. A lot of stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff to, I, I don't know, are we going to be 
reviewing some things that went down, sort of pulling them all together, cleaning up, uh, you know, loose ends, cleaning up loose ends, sort of figuring out where USC stands in the recruiting realm and the coaching realm. Um, the the schedule dropped. What were you surprised that the schedule dropped? When it, I feel like it's early. No, am I weird? No, I mean it's dropped in January before. I, I feel like they, they never have like a set time where they just release it. Yeah, I don't. And it mind, always kind of feels like it's out of nowhere. I don't mind them dropping the schedule early, but I do think there's something to the way that the NFL does things, where like you try to strategically drop these sort of news nuggets in areas when other people wouldn't otherwise be talking about your sport so that then sure. you keep your sport relevant at all times and like dropping the schedule this week it's it's early signing period so like you didn't need news stuff coming out about usc but then again but maybe you just want to capitalize you, you just want to you want, pe- you, you I want mean, people talking usc wants people to be buying their uh se- season ticket packages so you know i'm not going to begrudge them but I would have preferred it coming in, like, January, because then we will have had all the recruiting stuff, all the right. bowl stuff, everything that. And then just when we're in the middle of, like, a what do we talk about now? There's the USC schedule. Very convenient for us. But, you know, things aren't done conveniently for us, so that's... <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not complaining. I'm just, and you know... yada, yada, yada. We got yada, a five-page uh, five rundown for this episode, which, in putting this all together, I realized we don't mention that USC got a commitment from a five-star quarterback. For 2023, uh, Malachi Nelson, along with uh, Makai Lemon, the line, uh, the uh, wide receiver, wide receiver. from uh, Los Alamitos. Yeah, so those news. guys not in this podcast rundown because there's so much other stuff to talk about. Yeah, we'll have plenty of time to talk about Malachi Nelson and Makai Lemon and what great names that quarterback wide receiver combo has. Love them. Uh, we will talk plenty about them over the next year plus. So sorry, guys, but uh, we've got to bigger fish to fry on this day. Yeah, so lots of stuff to talk about in this episode. As always, you can hear from us uh, by podcasting, but we want to hear from you guys. So send us your emails, randomtroyfansign.com, your, your your voicemails, 213-373-1872 is the phone number, and be sure to review us on Apple Podcasts. That always helps grow the show. We see that we've gotten more reviews there, but you can always also leave a written review. Tell us how you did. We'll read it. We'll read us on the show. Tell us how... We do for you, and we'll read it on the show and love you guys forever. Uh, So let's get into this. Let's start with early signing day at USC. All right, Alicia, let's start with early signing day. It came and went, even though it's still the early signing period. It opened on Wednesday, uh, and USC currently ranks 70th in FBS. With seven signings. Seven. Just seven. I, I feel like when, when we were talking about where the recruiting was uh, under Clay Helton and then ultimately Dante Williams, who was the interim head coach, and before Lincoln Riley, on paper, in that sense, things are not much different. But things are a world of difference when you look at uh, how the momentum is swinging in certain directions, uh, the, the buy-in that they've gotten from, from certain players, and whatnot. So let's just get into it. Seven signings, uh, seven signings at USC gets this week. Uh, it starts with five-star defensive back Damani Jackson, who put his name to paper uh, today, Friday. Uh, five-star out of modern day. He recommitted to USC after being committed for a long, long time. Decommitted in November, repledged after looking like he was going to go to Alabama, 
We know that he's close to Dante Williams, who's going to be staying on USC's coaching staff. We'll talk about that later. Uh, but he's a big get. Uh, Lincoln Riley said on Friday afternoon, the combination of speed, size, and natural confidence he has is very impressive. Yeah, and Damani Jackson is exactly the kind of player that USC should be getting without too much drama. Like, Damani Jackson should want to come to USC outright. And um, it sort of harkens back to last year when USC gets Corey Foreman in a bit of sort of a Hail Mary uh, bringing him in. Corey Foreman and Damani Jackson should not be in question whether or not they're going to USC. USC, hopefully in the future, will have these these kinds of commitments locked up well, well, well before. But you have to have these kinds of players if you are going to be a successful program. And you can't overlook how important it is to say that you pulled the number one player in California in Damani Jackson this year. Number seven nationally. Last year, Corey Foreman. These are impact players that you build a program around. So huge, huge deal for USC. They would not have gotten him if uh, if not for making the big hire of Lincoln Riley. Yeah, it looked like he was going to be gone to Alabama, right? He, he goes to the Alabama-LSU game, immediately decommits. All the crystal balls in 24-7 skew Alabama's way, and then slowly over the last couple of weeks, things have gotten back in USC's favor, and they ultimately get the signature. And I think it's really interesting. Lincoln Riley was asked on Friday afternoon in his Sunday press conference what what is it about recruiting the, the local talent? And he, and he mentioned that when you're not at USC, you kind of know that all those guys want to go to USC. But when SC's not at the top of their game, you have a chance to go in there and get those guys. And he knows firsthand. I mean, Malachi Nelson and Makai Lemon, in the 2023 class were recruit were recruited by Oklahoma and committed to Oklahoma. And SC had not given them a, a reason to, to pick USC. But Lincoln Riley says it's all about their job, meaning his him and his recruiting staff's job, to show why USC still needs them. You can't just assume you're going to get them because you're in Southern California. And here you go. You give Domani a reason to stay home. He can stay home. And if you're USC, you absolutely want to have like a 99% chance of getting all of those elite five-star SoCal kids. Hey, we got a question about it in the mailbag later, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it. But guys like Damani Jackson are centerpiece players who set you up for bringing in other important kinds of players. You don't get the recruiting momentum that that uh, you need if you don't land the five-star in your backyard. Yeah, 100%. And another one SC gets is really Brown, who was committed to modern day. We talked about him before. Uh, sorry, from modern day, committed to Oklahoma, uh, decommitted and committed to USC a couple of weeks ago. He ultimately signs, and Lincoln Riley says he's one of the most dynamic playmakers in the country, and they're thrilled to see all the ways they're going to use him. He, we know that when he was committed to Oklahoma, it's been talked about before, that he's someone that they could use split out wide. And so how is USC going to use him is going to be a hell of a question. Um, and the, the, he's the type of playmaker that you want when you're kind of cementing a new era of USC offense. Yeah, and he's another guy who I think you just needed to, to give him a reason to stay home. Modern day guy, these dudes want to stay in L.A. And you give them that reason by bringing in Lincoln Riley and suddenly you get them. And Lincoln Riley has an offensive system that he's built up around these kinds of players. So this is how he's going to succeed on offense by having 
dudes that are like Relique Brown who can run the ball physically in between the tackles while also being split out as a slot guy and just making life very, very, very difficult for opposing defenses. Like the yeah. defenses in the Pac-12 are disappointed that Relique Brown is coming to USC. I can tell you that much. Yeah, 100%. And SC is going to be better for it. We'll see how that goes moving forward. When you look at SC's got a lot of guys uh, in the backfield that um, are not going to be on the team next year. How how do they fit going forward? I don't know. But Lake Brown could be someone who immediately has an impact in 2022. Uh, let's talk about four-star safeties Dion Branch out of Bishop Gorman uh, in Las Vegas. He's the brother of five-star 2023 wide receiver Zachariah Branch. And Lincoln Riley made it clear in his press conference on Friday, Friday saying that he comes from a terrific family we've known for a long time. You mentioned to me, Alicia, that this feels like the Mobley brother situation where SC goes and gets the older Mobley brother with hopes of getting the, the younger, higher-ranked brother down the line, but I don't think we can really over, you know, overlook Zion Branch here. He's 47th in the country in the 24-7 sports composite. He's a high four-star. He's someone who can slot in pretty early on to, to USC's backfield, especially when you look at the, the attrition that SC is having uh, in its current roster. Well, I love me some Isaiah Mobley, so I was not saying that out, out of disrespect in any, any any way, shape, or form for Isaiah Mobley uh, or, or, you know, the Zion branches of the world. Uh, this guy is going to be influential in USC's defense going forward. We've seen this year, especially after losing Talano Hafanga, how important it is to have playmakers at safety, and USC has lacked that, uh, and, and the defense suffered for it. So, yeah, Zion Branch is a huge pickup. Zion Branch possibly also bringing along his five-star wide receiver brother for next year is also a huge pickup. Like all of these things sort of are intertwined again. Uh, and, and these are the same kinds of things that give you recruiting momentum in a lot of different directions when you're able to say, you know what, the Branch brothers want to come to USC. Who else wants to join? Yeah, and the Branch brothers do come from a good family tree. <laughs> um, which, by the way, Love the name Zion. I feel like if you're going to have uh, brothers or sons, name one Zion, the other one Bryce. Get a third <laughs> one, name it Arches. <laughs> there you go. Next one, Petrified yeah. Forest, maybe. Uh, that's a, a little bit much, but uh, <laughs> I will say Zion Branch. I like the two syllable Zion Branch. Uh, Zion it's a good name. Branch. It's a great name. Zachariah Branch is way more of a mouthful. Um, and I'm not sure that Zach Branch works quite as well as Zion Branch. So we're just breaking down names here. Yeah, on, that's, on what, that's what we're here for. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, four star cornerback, uh, Fabian Ross, 234th overall in 24 seven sports composite. Also out of Bishop Gorman. He signs for USC and Lincoln Riley said he's a very versatile player in the secondary and brings position flexibility. Which is going to be interesting when you look at how USC is sort of planning to coach up the secondary. We'll talk about that later, but where could he play? Corner? Safety? Nickel? I don't know. We'll have to see. Well, I think that's the whole idea. I, I, I like the idea of USC recruiting versatile players who could play at any spot along the secondary and then figuring out where they fit in the defense and where they're going to thrive best in the defense. And uh, Fabian Ross is, I think, a, a guy that USC fans can appreciate because he committed to USC. He didn't back off his pledge. When Lincoln Riley came in, he benefited from it. 
uh, and and he's sticking sticking through and following through. And, you know, it's just the, the groundworks that that's been laid with the secondary recruiting over the last two years. Um, there are some very bright futures there. USC just needs the right coaching staff to get to get them going. Yeah, that certainly helps. SC's got to get the coaching staff to kind of build those players up. And you'd hope they have that now. And we'll see that going forward. Another guy to talk about is three-star edge rusher Devin Tompkins. 613th overall in 24-7 sports composite out of Stockton. 6'6", 220. So he's a big body, big frame. And Lincoln Riley said he's an elite edge edge player, an elite length, and we would have recruited him anywhere in the country. Uh, one of the things that Lincoln Riley talked about a lot, and you're going to hear this, you know, kind of throughout this pod, is the the emphasis on speed on defense. Speed don't slump for a reason, right? And so Alex Grinch is going to emphasize speed. And he talked to Lincoln Riley said that when Alex Grinch got to Oklahoma, he kind of had to reconfigure how they were focusing, you know, body types and attributes and all that stuff for how they were structuring the defense. Speed on the ends and big bodies is one of the, those ways. You expect the edge rushers to be productive, Lincoln Riley says, and Devin Tompkins is one of those guys. Yeah, you can't teach 6'6". Six, six. You can't. You, that that's a body that you're working with, and he's not an elite recruit in terms of the recruiting ranking. But USC is going to try and turn him into one of those diamond in the rough kind of characters. And I think Garrison Madis, Madden, um, the linebacker that that we'll talk about next, is also fits into that profile of they see a an attribute, a trait that they're going to try and focus towards fitting into this defense. Yeah. And I I am down with that with that strategy. I think it's really worth noting. Um, that Lincoln Riley emphasized the idea of roster turnover, of being very selective in who they brought in with this class, that they weren't going to just try to do like the scattergun approach where they're just throwing out uh, scholarships to whoever wants to come in and, and hope that you can get bodies in, that they were going to be very selective and then use the transfer portal to fill in any any other gaps. So when you see USC letting, um, giving, you know, committable offers to or keeping Devin Tompkins in the in the frame at six thirteenth overall nationally, um, Garrison Madden uh, at nine fifty first overall nationally. That tells you that there's something about those players that they right. see very specifically because everything else about this class tells us they're not wasting offers. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of the Lane Kiffin class in twenty twelve. Yes, right? absolutely. The, the, the really small one, and along with twenty thirteen. But um, obviously that class was shaped for a different reason. But um, Garrison Madden, you meant you mentioned nine hundred fifty first overall, uh, a three star linebacker, a speedy linebacker. Lincoln Riley talked about. Uh, he says, "quote I really feel in some sense this guy is a diamond in rough. His speed just jumps off the tape." And Lincoln Riley was also asked about the effects of COVID, um, and how it, it's made it different difficult to evaluate. And Madden is sort of one of those guys who hasn't played a conventional four years of high school. Uh, and so there's going to be guys that are diamonds in the rough. There's going to be guys that are under-evaluated, over-evaluated, uh, mis-evaluated, all those things. You hope it breaks your way and you hope he ends up some being someone who was under-evaluated and had that, that traits that you saw that maybe other teams didn't value as much. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what, what happens from it. From a USC standpoint, bringing in Madden out of uh, Hampton, Georgia, 
Uh, which leads us to the last one. The seventh guy, two-star punter, Atticus Bertrams from Melbourne. Yes, Australia. At a pro kick Australia, which is sort of the... What would you call pro kick Australia? Like a, it's a kicking academy. Like, like a factory of, yeah. of Aussie kickers? Yes, a factory of Aussie kickers. Yes, yeah. So the, the interesting thing about him, six foot three, he is not your prototypical Aussie rules guy. He's not like 29 years old, you know, like a retired Aussie professional. Yeah, he, Aussie he's rules not player. Ben Griffiths, yeah. who's a retired guy because he had injuries uh, and now is just be- going to become a punter. No, Atticus Bertrams is 18. He wants to be a punter from Melbourne, went through the pro kick stuff, all, all alike. Uh, Lincoln Riley again used the E word, calling him an elite talent. Um, I'm interested to see how this goes. I love it. I mean, uh, I think Atticus Bertrams is a great name. I'm all on board the Atticus train. So Very much like something you'd see in a novel. Atticus sure. Finch going on going on right here. Um, yeah, the Pro Kick Australia has re- produced a lot of really good kickers, really good punters. So if that's where you're going to go and get a dude, go and get a dude. Yeah, let's see what he's, what, what he's got. Yeah, we will see indeed. Uh, one other guy to bring in. The eighth signing, who is not part of the recruiting class, but essentially is, uh, is an incoming transfer, and that's Earl Barquet out of, uh, or sorry, Earl Barquet. Barquet. I just looked up the name, and I still mispronounced And you still did the yes. Barquet thing. I know. Barquet. Earl Barquet, spelled like B-A-Q-U-E-T. I wanted it to be Barquet, but it's Barquet. <laughs> Uh, out of TCU is a three-star of the 2019 class, 21 career tackles in 16 games over two seasons with the Horn Frogs. He has up to three years of eligibility. He redshirted in 2019, was listed as a sophomore in 2021. We'll see what happens with that COVID year, but expect two years, potentially three years out of Barquette. Uh, another body on the defensive line that you want to get, and you surely could take that when you look at the attrition that, that USC has. Uh, on defense. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things. The defensive line needs bodies. They absolutely need bodies. I don't know if Earl Barquette is going to end up being an impact player for USC, but you absolutely need those bodies in there, so you're going to take a chance on him and see what he has. Uh, so, again, this, this staff is being discerning. There's obviously something that they see in him that they value, and uh, and I think it's going to be worth the experiment. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what comes from it. So that's where USC's recruiting class stands as of right now. They're 70th in the country. Again, you can look at that and say, well, it's not what I had hoped. I think a lot of people thought that Lincoln Riley would come in here and salvage a top 25 class. As it stands now, that's not going to happen. If the early signing period didn't exist and Lincoln Riley had until February to, to get this going, then I think that... Uh, that this whole perception of this week would be very different. It's December 17th. Like, Well, I, I want to get to a question that we got, because I think it's pertinent here, uh, from L.A. Fred. So USC just got six si- signings today and a, and a sign transferred. I know most of us were anticipating a huge jump up in recruiting. Is this on par with what we should have expected? Any disappointments that, that did not happen today? And can we be safe trusting Coach Riley and his plan moving forward? With more signees and transfer guys. My bet is yes, Fred says. 
Yeah, no, I I think that that's fair. I think that USC could have could have hit a few more home runs. Um, and you know, on our rundown here, we have a, a key misses section, which I think sort of gets at where a perfect week, a perfect day for USC would have involved Marvin Jones, the five star out of Florida that ended up signing for Georgia. Um, the four star uh, linebacker, David Bailey, that ended up signing with Stanford and the three star offensive tackle, uh, Andre, Andre Roy, who ended up signing with Maryland. You want those three guys. Absolutely. You want those three guys, the two, the, an offensive lineman, a defensive lineman and a, and a linebacker. Absolutely. Those guys could have put this, the good feelings around this, around this current, the current state of the class up a notch, but you're also talking about two weeks to get your work done. And yeah. some some players I, who I think are are it the why did USC miss out on those three guys? Okay, Marvin Jones was a five star dude out of Florida that USC was hail marrying to try and get out of Georgia. That was yes. always going to be a very very difficult pull for USC. They, they did get a visit out of him. That but they like, got a visit was a victory in and of itself. Like they shouldn't right. have gotten a visit from Marvin Jones realistically. Yes. Um. And if they don't hire someone like Lincoln Riley, they don't get that visit. Uh, David Bailey signing with Stanford. It's Stanford. I don't ever begrudge a, a human being saying I want to go get my education at Stanford playing for David Shaw. Sure. I'm sorry. The current staff at I, USC could make their could ma- make their case by building up some credibility over the next couple of years. But right. at this exact moment, if a dude says he wants to go play for David Shaw at Stanford because sure. of education and all that. Go to Stanford. Uh, just no. I I hear you. I think that that's the one that I think that you want back. Oh, absolutely. Considering he, he's seventy first overall in the country, modern day from modern day, a linebacker. You need linebackers. Yes, that's the one that I think that would keep you up at night. But like you said, the Stanford degree is insane. Um, but yeah, it, 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 he was someone who had really liked Stanford after his his uh, visit to USC that that day in which Stanford. Wall up the SC. So yeah. I, I, you what look can, at these misses and, and, and Roy is a dude from Baltimore who signed with Maryland. Like, okay. He's not coming across the country. Do you right. want him? Absolutely. Do you uh, do, but USC didn't have an offensive line coach hired. So right. if you are a three star offensive tackle, you have no business actually signing with USC when they don't have an offensive line coach yet. Like, yeah, I the way I look at this, I think that I completely understand being let down at the idea that oh, Lincoln Riley is going to pull a top twenty five class out of nowhere and all that stuff. I completely get it, um, and I understand being disappointed. At the same time, like you said, they had a couple of weeks to scramble here. Marvin Jones is always going to be a hail mary. Yeah, David Bailey is the one that you want, but that's a that's a Stanford degree that's difficult for anyone to compete against. And the Roy thing, when you don't have the coach, and even getting a visit out of him when he was committed to Penn State, like, is, you know, shows that SC is at least getting heard. It's about building the momentum going forward. And we always said at the beginning to write off the 2022 recruiting class that we even opened it up as a possibility that USC could kind of scramble something at the end was all about Lincoln Riley and the momentum. And this that his hire was going to bring, which it has, and it's already this paying class, off big time for next, next well, year. This class could end up being a top 25 class still. It's not over yet. There are seven players that signed in the class. Like, 
there will be more dudes added. Also, yeah, but two you, of those seven are five stars. So, like, sure. there's really not a lot of room to complain at this point. You got the... It, this class is no longer an utter disaster because now you've added five-star right. talent and you're going to work with the transfer portal outside of that. Like, right. that's not... Well, the, the well I think, is, think about it. Over the last two weeks, since Lincoln Riley signed... Since Lincoln Riley came to USC... He got a five-star DB in Damani Jackson, a five-star running back in Relique Brown, the four-star safety Zion Branch, who's going to bring along his five-star wide receiver brother, a five-star wide receiver brother, a five-star wide receiver, and a five-star quarterback for 2023. Like, we're talking about a handful of five-stars who would not have come to USC that are now going to USC. Like The way I look at it is, back it up six weeks, back when Damani Jackson was already committed to USC, right? Look there to look now. I think in a, in a, just a very simplistic way, there's not much of a difference in terms of ranking and things like that. And Damani Jackson was involved then, he's involved now and all that stuff. The big difference is you have Relique Brown, you didn't have him before. You have Zion Branch, who's now allowing you the opportunity to go get Zachariah Branch next year, 100%. And you have your 2023 class already locked and loaded with Malachi Nelson and Makai Lemon. You yeah. did not have that before. No, and you are now set up to have a, a whale of a 2023 class. Right, and, and there's still 2022 guys still available we're yes. going to get to. Uh, we had three guys I think that you should keep your eye on. Uh, first one, four-star edge rusher Cyrus Moss, also from Bishop Gorman. Again, that's where Branch and Fabian Ross go. Um, he's announcing at the game formerly known as the Army All-American Bowl. His top five is Alabama, ASU, Miami, Oregon, and USC. Someone who's been heavily committed by Mario, I mean, pursued by Mario Cristobal. Uh, he officially visited USC last weekend. The Crystal Ball on 24-7 Sports has him at 62.5% to Oregon. However, Blair Angulo of 24-7 Sports Crystal Balled him to USC this week. And all the other predictions kind of old, so I don't know how much stock you want to put into most of those. Yeah, I, I think it it's feels like a very open race for Cyrus Moss. It feels like USC is in the running, for sure. Uh, it It is a good sign that Blair Angulo is putting in a crystal ball for USC at this stage, um, as the most recent crystal ball that's that's been put in for Moss. But this one we'll have to find out when he, when he announces at the All-American Bowl. Um, this is another one that if you get him, you build momentum. Yeah. If you don't, and Essie wouldn't have had a chance without Lincoln Riley. And if you don't get him, then that just puts the pressure on. Well, you need to make sure that you wrap up things in the transfer portal and do really well next year. Yeah, and he has comparisons to like Anthony Barr, so someone yeah. that SC surely would want uh, sacking other teams' quarterbacks and not their own. Uh, next one, four-star wide receiver C.J. Williams, who decommitted from Notre Dame and has a final top two of SC and UCLA, seventy-sixth overall again. From modern day, because that's all modern day does is produce four and five star players mm-hmm. who uh, who eventually look towards USC in some sense. Eighty-eight point nine percent in favor of the Trojans on the crystal ball predictions and multiple uh, picks CBs for USC this week. Nothing really for UCLA. So CJ Williams is the guy you should be banking on at least uh, the wide receiver. Yeah, short of a disaster where he ends up picking UCLA, this one is a huge victory for USC, pulling him away from from Notre Dame, um, giving him an excuse to come home. 
you have to assume that it'll be USC. Anything can happen. This is recruiting. You just never know with what UCLA has going on. So we'll see. But it looks really, really good for USC and is another one where in future, you don't want this to be a mystery of who where he's going to sign. But you've now given him a very, very compelling reason to stay home and play in, in Lincoln Riley's offense. So let's let's roll. Yeah. And the last guy to mention is five-star offensive lineman Josh Connerly. Uh, 23rd overall in 24-7 sports composite this season out of Seattle, Washington. He's going to announce on signing day, true signing day, OG signing day, February 2nd, with a current top five listing on 24-7 sports' profile for him of Michigan, Alabama, Oklahoma, Oregon, and Texas. No USC in there, even though SC is pursuing him. And his crystal ball's all old. It's 50-50 between UW and Michigan. Uh, however, nothing really there since September. So uh, a lot of murkiness there. Um, UW, the home team. Michigan, the team in the playoff, who uh, probably has all the momentum in that sense. But SC's going to try to get in the mix. We'll see if they can wrangle in uh, a visits and all those kind of things that they tried to do with Marvin Jones and, and get here in, in at the, at the, uh, the end. Yeah, well, this is going to be the race to February. The February signing day is going to be all about USC's uh, offensive line, I think, because USC doesn't currently have an offensive line coach. Uh, Bruce Feldman has has reported the uh, Brandon Jones out of Houston will take that job. Um, You can't recruit offensive linemen for serious until you have an offensive line coach in place. And it's a a real shame that Bill Biedenboe, it is not coming. He's staying at Oklahoma. I think that would have given USC a huge leg up in in offensive line recruiting coming into this uh, this early signing period. But once you get your guy in, now you have opportunities for the guys who didn't sign in the early signing period. You're basically resetting the clock. Can you get in and and turn Josh Connerly's head? He's probably the most important um, recruit I think that's that's on the board. Uh, maybe Ernest Green is another guy, another offensive lineman that USC could make a run at and hope to uh, hope to turn by the time that, that, that they sign. Uh, but there are, there are opportunities to get some really stellar offensive linemen. USC just has to get the offensive line coach in place and then make their run. Yeah, hundred percent. So we'll see how that comes together over the next couple of months. Uh, that's how early signing day has gone down for the most part this week, but there's still a lot of change going on. With the current roster, including the transfer portal, NFL declarations, who's coming back for 2022, and so on. The coaching staff. We're going to talk about all of that next. All right, Alice, let's talk about the current roster. Uh, Even though a lot of these guys are no longer on the current roster. The 2021 Trojans, who are transitioning to 2022 Trojans, and some not. Uh, let's talk about the transfer portal. Guys who are currently in the transfer portal. Running back, Keenan Christen. Offensive lineman, Liam Douglas. Kicker, Parker Lewis. Quarterback, Keaton Slovis. Linebacker, Raymond Scott. Defensive back, Chase Williams. Edge rusher, Hunter Eccles. And defensive lineman, Jacob Lichtenstein. No longer in the transfer portal because he is transferred to Miami. Uh, another guy who's announced but is not officially in the portal, uh, expected to be in the portal, is Giuliano Falanico. 
A lot of guys. Yeah. Uh, Potentially heading out of uh, USC there. Keaton Slovis, Keenan Creston, Chase Williams, Parker Lewis. A lot of notable guys to discuss. Yeah, and and I think it's worth noting that on Friday in his press conference, Lincoln Riley talked about there being, you know, 35 or so uh, players that will be gone off of the roster. So you count out the, the current guys in the transfer portal. You think about the guys who could be going to the NFL. There's still a long way to go in terms of guys that we expect to have turnover for this roster. Um, so get prepared for a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of changes here and this this feels like it's just the first wave of guys that are are going to be entering but not a ton of surprises in there really I know? think the biggest surprise for me is Parker Lewis because yeah. 17 out of 22 field goals uh this past season um and you could you could think well OU's going to OU was much better at finishing off their drives so maybe he thinks that he's not going to have that many field goals, but Oklahoma led the Big Twelve in field goals like a couple of seasons under Lincoln Riley. Like, like they just have so many drives that they're all the failed ones that you would think that were SC failed turned into field goals, uh, and the ones that that didn't turn into touchdowns that have PATs and all that stuff. There plenty of opportunities he would have had there. So I don't necessarily think it's for football reasons. Well, I mean, um, because why would it be? So I, I don't know. There's I, a lot of reasons why somebody would would transfer, but also USC is not going to have a dedicated special teams coach anymore. So that may be something that he is not interested in in being true uh, involved in. You know, Alex Stanhouse was listed in the transfer portal and then pulled himself back in. Uh, he looked at uh, at uh, the coaching staff and was like, "Once I think I'm out." <laughs> well, I mean, once Parker Lewis left, it might it makes a lot of sense for Alex Stadhouse to come back. I think he's a per- right. perfectly competent kicker, so you have to believe he can take that role. Yeah, and Keaton Slovis, uh, this was overly expected. Mm-hmm. Um, SC's only going to have one quarterback, you would think. Uh, well, ideally, you would hope that he gets the majority of the reps next season. Who's that going to be? Um, at this point, it looks like all odds are on Jackson Dart because he's the guy. Why else would it not be Keen Slovis putting his name in the portal? Would we say that he lost the job to Dart at the end of the year? It's hard to say because he got they they cited an injury for him not not playing the last few games. So it's hard to say he lost the job. But but he also I mean even even aside from what happened at the end of the season he doesn't fit what Lincoln Riley ideally has with a quarterback. He wants a sure. more Lincoln Riley's ideal quarterback is in the mold of a Jackson Dart, uh, not a Keaton Slovis. Or in so, the mold of look at the guys he's had. Yeah. Kyler he Murray. wants mobile guys. Yeah. And uh and you know I think it was just very obvious that Keaton was was going to go because he's he you know he was elevated up in, into Graham Harrell's system. Graham Harrell is not going to be there anymore. Lincoln Riley, it doesn't look like that's a, a scheme fit. And so, right. especially when you have someone like Jackson Dart there. But then there's also, you know, the 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 rumblings of like, what if Caleb Williams decides to follow uh, yeah. Lincoln Riley to USC? There's just a lot of uncertainty around USC's quarterback position. And the idea, the the idea of Keaton Slovis being the starting quarterback for USC in 2022 just seems extremely low. Yeah. So I think it's right for him to go look for an opportunity I'm elsewhere. Really interested to see where he ends up going because we, we did we got a question in the mailbag 
from Josh in Buckeye Country. He said, will Slovis stay in the conference or go somewhere else? Is he attracted enough to find a Power 5 team? Or will he end up at, say, Fresno State or something like that? I think he's good enough to, to go to a Power 5 team. Um, there is a ton of quarterbacks in the transfer portal. So on one end, there's a lot of open positions in the country with teams looking for quarterbacks. On the other end, there's a lot of competition to fill those spots. Yeah. So it's very difficult to say he will find a he will find you, a, a, you a spot somewhere. You keep talking about Pitt as a, as a spot. Well, immediately my first thought was Pitt because Pitt's losing Kenny Pickett, and we already know the the Max Brown, tr- you know, moving from <laughs> USC to Pitt. And then I found Ricky out that Keaton Slovis is there too. Then we found out that Keaton Slovis is uh, girlfriend plays soccer at Pitt. So like Pitt, it's Pitt. <laughs> But uh, we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities. Yeah. I, I don't know Pitt, Pitt's roster situation. Enough, yeah, I don't know. Besides if they have... losing Pickett, yeah, to know anything there. And and Spencer Rattler's already gone to South Carolina, so uh, cross the uh, the cocks off the list too. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I think it'll be interesting. Either way, it it is remarkable to see so many impact players on that list for USC, like Chase Williams and Hunter Eccles and Jacob Lichtenstein and all those guys. We talk about the attrition and up to 35 guys on the roster not being here next year. And then they only sign seven. Are you starting to get worried about the number of guys on the roster? No, because there's going to be attrition in every different direction on every team. No, also, I, they're going to sign more than seven players. Like they're going to add another like this class is probably going to look more like 15. Sure. 12 to 15, I think. And but, then you're also going to add in... But are yeah. they going to be able to get to the 85? There will be a thousand transfer portal dudes out there. And they were also... You know, right now, everything is out in the open. When you get to the end of February, now you're going to start making decisions of maybe we do need to offer that guy so we make sure we get we get the, right. the guys in. But like the transfer portal, there's more, tra- there's more dudes in the transfer portal well, than there are spots on rosters well, in college football. So the other thing is Riley said that he looks at the recruiting period as going all the way to August because yeah, there, there is going to be another round of the transfer portal stuff after that, spring camp. Yeah. After spring camp yeah. when, when guys see where they fit in there. Um, and there will be SC players that probably don't like how spring camp went for them and, and, and put their name in, in there or whatnot. So. Yeah, there, there's a long way to go. It just seems at some point, there's part of me that's like, I don't know that they're gonna get to seventy-five guys. I don't know. We'll we're see. talking, we're talking USC. They'll get, they'll get. If they, they might have to be less selective and discerning in the end, where they start to take dudes. But like, sure. you can't tell me that there's not dudes in the transfer portal who, if they found out that they could go to USC, that they jump to go to USC. Like, that sure. they'll, they'll fill the roster. That's not a problem. Fair enough. Uh, other guys. Uh, NFL declarations that are not going to be here. This is a shocking one. A <laughs> thoroughly shocking one. Drake London. Yeah, no, zero shock there. Uh, Drake is absolutely ready for the NFL. It's just a shame that we don't get to see him in all of his glory through a full, complete, uh, incredible season with USC because I think he very easily would have put himself at the top of the of the all-time USC pedestal at, at wide receiver, but he had the injury. And at least he's going to be on the wall, He's right? going to be on the wall First because pro, pro, football fo- pro, football fo- pro Football Focus did us all a solid and uh, made sure that he was first-team All-American. Very, very deserving of being on the wall. Um, I think under different circumstances, he would be on the wall because he was a consensus or unanimous All-American. Um, 
it's a shame that that wasn't able to happen for him, but he's going to go to the NFL and be yeah. an absolute stud. I can guarantee you that. Third team by the AP, I believe. Yeah. Uh, along with Andrew Voorhees, we'll talk about in a minute. Other declarations uh, to the NFL. Greg Johnson, someone who's been around for seemingly ever. Um, he He's headed off to the NFL along with Jalen McKenzie, heading off to the NFL. Yeah, I mean, he, he was a good servant of the program for all of these years. Uh, I think he is at a point now where he just needs to to go take his chance in the pros and see what see what he can carve out. Um I think if not going pro, I think there was a definite chance that he would be one of those guys in the transfer portal as well. Uh let's talk about the guys coming back for 2022. Brett Nealon, Andrew Voorhees, Justin Dietrich, all on the offensive line. There was a moment there where you looked and you go, oh man. Um, a, SC's offensive line in 2021 was better than it's been in years. We can say that definitively, I think. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yet you looked at it and they're like, but they could potentially lose everybody. everybody. And here comes Nilan, Voorhees, and Dietrich all back. Voorhees, a third-team AP All-American. And didn't you say he's getting on the wall, too? Didn't Pro Football Focus have him somewhere? Am I imagining this? No, I don't think I do not think he's got he got a first place. Well, I think what I what I said was that Brett Nealon was like top five nationally in terms of centers for gotcha. PFF rankings. Okay. Fair enough. But 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 either either way, those guys graded out good by PFF, and yes. USC looked good on the offensive line. Not the greatest, but certainly a step forward from where they have been. If you took the carbon copy of this offensive line from 2021 and just slapped it onto the 2022 season with a Lincoln Riley offense that can actually score in the red zone, uh, you'd average 35 plus points a game. They were a perfectly competent offensive line. Were they a dominant offensive line? No. Perfectly competent? Yes. And at this stage, like just having a competent offensive line that you didn't necessarily have to worry about every every down of like, this is going to be a disaster, which uh, you can do a lot of things with. Which is a good starting point when you don't have those five star. Well, them coming them coming back for twenty twenty two gives you a lot of cushion now to work with because now you can get you you get a, another season out of those guys out of Cortland Ford and Jonah Monheim and, and the rest of those guys and now you for twenty twenty two you see if you can hit on someone like Josh Connerly twenty twenty three you swing for all of the fences on the offensive line but you you have an extra year of cushion before the offensive line sort of uh, chickens come home to roost. And, yeah. uh, and and so they're buying themselves some time here by getting these guys back. Yeah, on the defensive line, the same thing can be said for Nick Figueroa. He led SC in sacks in 2020. Uh, had a little bit of an injury riddled early on of, of 2021. He's absolutely someone that I would expect to be maybe a team captain mm-hmm. uh, going forward. And he was all riled up about Lincoln Riley being being hired and uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, you you need those kind of figures back and I think that uh, USC's defense will be better for having someone like Nick Figueroa back. And frankly, if if Nick Figueroa wasn't viewed as good enough by Alex Grinch, I don't think he would be in this category. I think again, there's a lot of guys who are being shown the door and I I tend to agree that Nick Figueroa should not be one of them. So. Yeah, and uh as he still is waiting word from uh, Drake Jackson, uh, who we all expect to go. He basically said he was leaving to the NFL months and months and months ago. Uh, he just hasn't thoroughly 
announce that again. I don't know if he will announce it again or just rely on what he said months and months ago, but we're waiting word on him, uh, Chris Steele and Isaac Taylor Stewart, the other two guys, uh, the corners for, for SC. We'll see what happens there. Uh, let's talk about the, the coaching staff, and I want to give credit to Chris Trevino of 24-7 Sports, uh, the cousin of the uh, Family Feud Pod, which... Can we he's, talk about the Family Feud Pod for a second? He's now a... a didn't, didn't they make him a full-blown co-host? Yes, but he's still cousin of the pod. You don't. You clearly don't listen. Oh, I, I haven't listened recently. Wow, way to out yourself. I'm sorry. Wow. I don't listen to... I listen to random podcasts about, like... I'm actually currently listening to uh, Why Are Dads or You Are Good, depending on which phase of the season you're at. And I'm basically just listening to people talk about like movies that I haven't seen, like uh, Dirty Dancing and, and Nightmare on Elm Street. So. I haven't seen them either. Yeah. Well, and the, the Nightmare first, on Elm Street, I, I tell first, you right now, I will never be watching. No, and that's the thing is they, these people like horror movies and I don't. But so it's interesting listening to them talk about like the thematic things about horror movies without me having to watch it, which is great. But like the first episode was Jaws. And I swear to God, I haven't seen Jaws since it traumatized me as a child. And now kind of I want to watch Jaws again. I want to watch Jaws because all the people say how t- terrifying it is. Well, let's watch Jaws. And I don't think it, I, I can't imagine it's going to, because I know people are like, after you watch Jaws, you won't take a bath. No, 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 and I'm Jaws. Like, come on. You know what Jaws does really, really well because I sort of went on a Jaws binge on YouTube. I know Jaws. it's it's the whole thing of not showing you the scary. No, no, no. It's the perspective. Like I remember, there's the perspective shots of like the dun 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 dun, dun but it's you, the camera is under the water, looking up at like a swimmer in the water, and that is like my child, like in the pool. I would just imagine like there's a shark underneath me from that perspective. Like that's where my trauma from Jaws came from. So like it's 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 not that it's like scary movie like demons and jump scares and all that kind of stuff. It's just like that one angle of a of a view like yeah stuck with me. So let's watch Jaws. Yeah, let's okay. do it. Sure. Uh, no, but I want to give credit to to Chris Trevino for putting this all together. Uh, and want to give a shout out to. Friend of the pod, uh, Shotgun Spratling, who is leaving to do other great things while still trying to to do things over at uscfootball.com and mm-hmm. heading over to the East Coast. It's like, Dan left? Yeah. Shotgun, Shotgun left? left? Like, I'm, I'm saying, like, what happens if Keeley leaves or something? This, like this is a, a transfer portal happening in the, uh, in the USC, uh, USC podcast and, and coverage world. Yeah. So, but, but Chris is still there and Chris put together. Still, Chris is still rocking. Uh, the uh, tracker, which is over on twenty four seven Sports and uscfootball dot com, and go uh, go follow along because he's keeping everybody up to date on who the coaches are. So I've just pretty much uh, am reading you the list, and I've done more a little bit of research to add in some some context here. But let's run down the coaches according to Chris here: head coach, offensive coordinator, and Quarterbacks coach, of course, Lincoln Riley, uh, as it stands. The new running backs coach is Deshaun Choice. You might remember him. He went to Georgia Tech. I remember a big game from him as a Georgia Tech running back beating up on your alma mater, Notre Dame, in South Bend. I'm sure it was a game that haunted you as a child. <laughs> um, he was the North Texas running backs coach in 2018 under Seth Luttrell, alongside Graham Harrell, who was the offensive coordinator. So there's a bit of a connection there. Uh, and the Georgia Tech running backs coach uh, for the last three seasons under Jeff Collins. 
And Thoughts on uh, him being a good choice or not? He has been nationally praised for his recruiting ability, getting some really stellar running backs to commit to Georgia Tech instead of... Three straight three-win seasons in our college. Yes, uh, instead of going to sort of big programs. So if Deshard Joyce can get dudes to Georgia Tech, he can get dudes to USC. It's exciting. Yeah, you would say he's a choice pick. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Zach Hansen. He's going to be the tight ends coach. Formerly the K-State tight ends coach under Chris Kleiman in 2018, and then the Tulsa tight ends coach under Philip Montgomery for the last three years. Uh, He also has experience as an offensive line coach, which I really like because one of the things that I hate about USC's tight end usage is they've sort of just left them, hung them out to dry in terms of the blocking stuff. And if ever you had a tight ends coach who was really going to train those guys up to do that job properly, I think that uh, he fits the bill. Um. Yeah, like another very well-respected figure in in the coaching world, up and coming uh, assistant coach. Like it, like the hire. Yeah. So my inside receivers is going to be Dave Nickel, who worked with Lincoln Riley at East Carolina under uh, Ruffin McNeil. And the common denominator with all of this, of course, is the Mike Leach tree. Mm-hmm. Ruffin McNeil, a big factor of that, because he got the East Carolina job in 2010. And basically took a lot of dudes out of Texas Tech because it coincided with when Leach was kind of kicked out of that job in Lubbock. Uh, and so all those guys needed to go somewhere. He grabbed a ton of them up, including Lincoln Riley, over at East Carolina. And one of those guys was Dave Nickel. Uh, and then Dave Nickel followed Mike Leach to Washington State uh, and then Mississippi State, where he's been the inside receivers coach there as well. Yeah, he knows the system. He fits the system. Um, I think it's uh, an obvious kind of choice for for Lincoln Riley to bring in. Don't know that much about him in terms of recruiting. Yeah, but uh, but he just sort of in terms of the the schematic fit makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and the most obvious choice in terms of wide receivers coach outside wide receivers coach Dennis Simmons, who follows Lincoln Riley over from Oklahoma, but. He's pretty much followed Lincoln Riley almost everywhere, but not quite. He was he started as the Texas Tech wide receivers coach in 08 and 09 under Mike Leach. Coached some guy named Chris, not Chris, what's his name? Michael Crabtree. Michael Crabtree, yes. To, uh, to winning some award called the Bilatnikov. Ever heard of it? I may have heard of it. Yep. Yeah, something like that. Um, and then went to East Carolina under Ruffin McNeil. Mike Leach gets hired in Pullman in 2012. He goes to Pullman and then ultimately... Lincoln Riley lands his job as the offensive coordinator at OU in 2015. He calls up Dennis Simmons. Dennis Simmons follows him to Norman and then ultimately now to SC. And he's done a hell of a job with the receivers at Oklahoma. Uh, He has experience coaching in the Pac-12. He is a top-tier recruiter. Uh, Checks literally every box. Yes. Fills in for what people miss with T. Martin. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's talk about the offensive line coach because it was reported by Bruce Feldman today, which is yet to be confirmed. So take this for what it is. Uh, Brandon Jones, who played at Texas Tech in 2003 to 06 under Mike Leach. And then again, with Ruffin McNeil at East Carolina as the offensive line coach, weirdly went to, to Cal under Sonny Dykes, another Mike Leach tree guy. Um, and then went with uh, Cliff Kingsbury to Texas Tech and was their O-line coach from 07, uh, sorry, 
17 to 18. And then Houston's offensive line coach slash co-offensive coordinator under yet another Mike Leach guy, Dana Holgerson, uh, in 2019 to 2021. Yeah, so he's in the right tree. Uh, and and you sort of look around at the opinion of of sort of national people about him. Everyone's really high on him as a up and coming offensive line coach. Like this is almost like hiring Bill Bedenboe, you know, fifteen years ago be- before he was you know what he is now. So if you're not going to get Bill Bedenboe, then you go and get a, a, an up and coming offensive line coach who knows the your, next speed and bow. You want to get the next speed and bow and, and someone who knows your system, knows your scheme, um, fits the offense well and can apparently recruit very well. So that's, uh, something that I, I hope works out for USC, but this is going to be the biggest test as far as hiring goes yeah because lincoln riley essentially let clay mcguire go and i I would not have been opposed to clay mcguire staying after the job that he did this year now i am all for clearing house completely but i wouldn't have been opposed if you can't get beaten bow to keep clay mcguire you missed out on beaten bow you lost clay mcguire the recovery hire here has to be very strong this seems like a good start but i i still don't know 100% 100% the Cal uh, from what I saw people at Cal thought he was really good so we'll take it yeah uh, you hope that he's in the next beaten bow you don't want to get Shasta beaten bow but yeah even if Clay McGuire was Shasta beaten bow like you'd take that yeah right? yeah so, exactly uh, I don't know uh, we'll, we'll see we'll see if that ultimately gets confirmed if Brandon Jones joins the staff so just take it for what it is right now um defensive coordinator of course is Alex Grinch you already know this one he was at Washington State under Mike Leach, uh, and then Urban Meyer for a season as a co-DC in 2018 at Ohio State, and then the last three seasons under Lincoln Riley. Uh, Jamar Kane, defensive line slash outside linebackers coach, uh, he was at North Dakota State and was their D defensive ends coach from 2014 to 16 under Chris Kleiman, who's currently at K-State. And then Fresno State, uh, from 2017 to 18 under Jeff Tedford, ASU in 2019 under Herm Edwards before going to Oklahoma and being their, their edge rusher coach, essentially, uh, in 2020 and 2021 under Lincoln Riley. So a lot of connections to the West Coast for a little three-year three, three year stint at uh, Fresno State and ASU. Uh, recruited the, the LA area there. Um, but so many different connections, I kind of like it. It's not just... He's not just like a guy who's just gone around coaching under the Mike Leach tree like everybody else. Yeah, and uh just in terms of of production, um his offense out, outside linebackers have had multiple seasons with 10 plus tackles for loss and Nick Bonito, the outside linebacker at Oklahoma this year last year up above 10 tackles for loss. Um they've got a lot of production from that that unit um his experience as a defensive line coach proper in terms of interior defensive line is good but this is also a little bit of an experience because experiment because it looks like they're going to have him be the defensive line coach um so a slightly different role than he had with Grinch at Oklahoma so this is a big opportunity for him big opportunity for USC but in terms of results you like I like the results that I saw from his position group um in 2020-2021 at Oklahoma uh, he's a strong recruiter. He got USC in the door with some some big defensive line recruits, and 
Hopefully you can finish that off uh, as, as USC's defensive line coach, making sure that uh, you stock that defensive line with some big dudes. Yeah, I'm interested to see how the change in roles kind of affects things. He's probably the biggest one that has the biggest change. Uh, there's another guy we're going to talk about in a minute that's a little bit of a change, but Kane is going to be interesting with that. Um, let's talk about Brian Odom. He is the brother of Barry Odom, who gave him his first start as a full-timer uh, in 2017 as a uh, linebackers coach. Barry Odom was the head coach at Missouri, currently the defensive coordinator and assistant head coach at Arkansas. Um, but um, Brian Odom left Missouri for OU in 2019 and was the linebackers coach there. Um, so he's another guy who has experience from a little bit of a different range of, uh, of, of places. We'll see how he fits in. Yeah, again, uh, he's a, a established linebackers coach. Um, comes in, knows Alex Grinch, knows what he's, what he's working with. So we'll see how he does. Yeah, good yeah. hire. Roy Manning, cornerbacks. Michigan guy through and through, sorry, Michigan man through and through. Uh, he coached Michigan's offensive, uh, sorry, outside linebackers in 2013 and corners in 2014 under Brady Oak. Uh, and then followed over to Mike Leach and got in the Mike Leach tree, coaching outside linebackers in 2015 and 17 before UCLA's outside linebackers and special teams coordinator uh, in 2018 under Chip Kelly. Uh, Oklahoma got him in 2019. He was there uh, until this past year with Lincoln Riley. So he's the guy that there was the whole recruiting fiasco with. Um, but SC finally got their man in Roy Manning at uh, cornerbacks. Yeah, and again, another guy who's a, a solid recruiter um, knows the the Grinch system, knows what what is expected of him. And again, I think that if you're going to be bringing over that defensive staff, you maintained some continuity there uh, with the, with the secondary. Yeah. He's been with Grinch every year, but one, Yeah, the the one year being the Ohio state year in 2018 when Grinch was the UCLA. at Ohio state yeah. and Roy Manning was at uh, yeah, UCLA, UCLA in 2018. Yeah. So yeah, he's definitely ingrained with, with Grinch. Who's going to be a safeties coach. Roy Manning is going to be the corner coach. And then there's Dante Williams. Yes. Dante Williams is back. The former USC interim head coach is back with the Trojans. Seemingly being a defensive backs coach of some sort, which would lead you to assume the nickelback spot, because that's the only other spot that is available in the defensive backs, which means that USC is going to have one guy do the corners, one guy do the, the, the safeties, and one die, guy do the nickels, which is sort of the complete opposite of last season, where you know the, the corners really didn't get that much love because... Dante Williams had a double time being the cornerbacks coach and the head coach. And yet here he is suddenly devoted to potentially nickelbacks while the corners have their own guy and the safeties have their own guy. Well, I, it's, this is a big experiment and I'm intrigued. Um, when your defensive coordinator is the safeties coach, then I think there's, there's a possibility of, of Dante Williams being the nickel and working with safeties as well to take some pressure off of Grinch or Roy Manning covering a little bit and having Dante Williams cover corners. I, I wonder how much of an overlap there might be between those three guys. Um, I think it does. There is an argument for a Nichols coach because your base defense is now a nickelback. Like that's he's in your base defense. 
And you have tight ends coaches who are responsible for maybe one dude on the field, but that one dude has a very well, specific tight ends inside, inside and outside, and outside lo- receivers yeah. coaches. So very specific jobs. And I think one of the things that you lose with a nickel is um, they are a sort of hybrid position. And sometimes they are in between what you are asking of a safety and a corner. And a lot of times your nickel is the guy that's getting burned because they're in such a weird position. So if you have somebody dedicated to figuring out everything that those guys need to know, making sure that those guys are on the same page with what their position needs to be. I'm not opposed to it. Um, the real question absolutely comes down to how well does Jamar Cain and Brian Odom, how how well can those two guys manage USC's front seven to allow for three coaches for the back five? That's the 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 one that I'm up in the air on. I'm here for the experiment. Let's see how it goes. When you can keep someone like Dante Williams and his recruiting power and make sure you get Damani Jackson and do all of that, then let's experiment here. Let's get let's get wild. Yeah, to a to a layman like me, um the difference between corners and safe uh, sorry, corners, nickels and safeties is not big enough compared to defensive linemen and outside linebackers, edge rushers. Yeah. And so putting all of those under Jamar Kane I think it's going to be interesting to see how it compares, but I'm open to the idea, especially when you figure out that Grinch is going to be the safeties coach along with being a defensive coordinator. So he's going to bounce around no matter what. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. And assuming that Brandon Jones does get confirmed as the offensive line coach, no more coaches need to be hired except one will have to get the special teams coordinator tag. Curious if it ends up being someone like Roy Manning, who's done it before. Dante Williams has experienced coaching special teams as well. So that's yeah. another sort of double duty where if you're going to give somebody double duty, make it be the, the nickel coach and, and yeah, do it that know. way. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how that all comes uh, to fruition. So, so, yeah, that wraps up USC's coaching staff. Um, we're going to save the schedule talk. We're going to save the schedule talk for next week. Uh, but USC has a new schedule for 2021. So let's come right back answer a couple of questions, and then wrap this thing up. You've got mail. All right, Alicia, let's get to the mailbag. Let's start with a call we got from Santa Clarita Dave. Michael and Alicia, this is Santa Clarita Dave. Um, I'm listening to your podcast, and oh my gosh, I can't believe how excited everybody is about Lincoln freaking Riley. And I'm excited, too. I'm just as excited as I was when I heard that we were getting this offensive coordinator that was going to save the day. Um, what was his name coming from uh, the Texas Tech? And, boy, everybody was all excited. And the next thing you know, he's going off the NFL. Now, knowing USC and what they've done to us fans over the last few years, okay, several years, and I'm just not going to be surprised if somebody from the NFL doesn't snap up Lincoln freaking Riley and we're left out in the cold again. Hey, hope it doesn't happen, but I'm just saying it could. Fight out. Thanks for the call, Dave. Uh, Santa Clarita Dave is what we're calling you. Um, Dave the Greater still works. That works. Santa. I mean. I like it still. Okay. I like Santa Clarita Dave. It rolls. It does roll off the tongue for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Michael, you turned to me shortly after Lincoln Riley was hired 
and you said something along the lines of like, can you imagine if the Raiders the turn ultimate around doomsday scenario in yeah. in a few weeks and just grab Lincoln Riley from USC? And when you spoke those words into the universe, I felt a chill go up my spine. But here's the big, big difference between Lincoln Riley and Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury was hired at USC as a offensive coordinator. He was not going to run his own program. He was an offensive coordinator. Lincoln Riley just signed with USC on a long-term, allegedly a long-term deal um, to be the head coach of USC football. That is not something that you walk away from after just a couple of weeks, not for the NFL. Um, If Lincoln Riley wanted to go to the NFL, he should have waited out Oklahoma until the end of the season and then interviewed with the Raiders, interviewed with the Jags, interviewed with whoever it would have jobs coming open. If that was his ultimate goal for this stage of his life, I think it would just make a lot more sense for him to hold off stay with Oklahoma through the bowl game, and then jump ship in January. It doesn't make sense for him to leave Oklahoma the way he did, come to USC, spend all this time recruiting to set up USC for the future and to get his whole thing, and then turn around after six weeks on the job and say, just kidding, I'm out to go to the Raiders. Like, it doesn't make as much sense as Cliff Kingsbury, who was in a rehabilitation role at taking the offensive coordinator position at USC only to find out that there was actual real life interest from the NFL to be right, a head right, right. coach, which was it's unexpected. just not in the same realm. Yeah. I, I want to believe all the logic that you're, you're mentioning here. I, I agree. Uh, I think that you should be worried about Lincoln Riley going to the NFL when there's success at USC. Yes. That should be the case for anyone given the history of McKay, Robinson, Carroll, all those guys go into the NFL. Um, so you should be worried about that, but that's a good problem to have when it happens. And the hope is that Lincoln Riley would have established a foundation to withstand that kind of attrition when it ultimately happens, if it does. But for right now, I just, you want the good times no matter how you get them. And I I would say, hold off on the the doomsdayness for a little bit, but, but I get it. I, I, I thoroughly get it. Moving on, let's go to uh, another question we got from Darlene and Grand Terrace. Can we do a rot meetup for basketball, where we surely just talk about football? If we, uh, not a bad idea. I don't know what's going on with the with the old COVID situation, but if we if we do end up doing a, a basketball game, going to a basketball game, covering the Trojans who are currently eleven and zero in basketball and pretty darn good, we can do that. Maybe I want to get out to a USC basketball game this year. I really do. Like, that's something yeah. I, I absolutely want to do. And uh, this team is kind of pulling me in, and I'm getting sort of invested in that. So I'm excited. Yeah, so we'll, we'll do it. We'll see how they work. So, All right. We got a bunch of more mailbag questions. We're, we're just out of time. At least it's getting pulled away to go back to her day job. So we're going to save those for next week when we talk about the schedule. So, Yeah, there's a, there's plenty to talk about, and there will be plenty to talk about early next week when we uh, when we come back on. So Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening. As always, give us your reviews over on Apple Podcasts. Email address, randomtroyfansite.com. Phone number 213-373-1872. Uh, Alicia, final word? The final word is optimism. As in, there's been a lot of reasons to be pessimistic in recent times around USC. Um, but it also doesn't hurt to just sort of get on the ride right now and enjoy, uh, enjoy, enjoy the good times that are coming 
if there's a swerve down the line that'll come whether or not you imagine the doomsday scenario that it's that it's coming uh, honestly i think lincoln riley deserves one year of full buy-in yes i'm not saying you have to have blind loyalty just give him the benefit of the doubt for one year see how things go after that we'll play everything by ear but for one year at least we'll see you guys next time see ya see ya, see ya. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.